Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We're in a series on the book of Ephesians. Um, And we've made it through verse 14. But I want to pick up here in verse 15. Ephesians is really a book that tells us who we are in Christ. And if we can begin to get our identity figured out, I believe this will change everything. And I really, there's a, there's a prayer that Paul prays here. Um, picks it up in about verse 16, 17 um, through the end of the chapter. We're going to get from about 15 to 20 today. Um, I told you we were going to try to finish this series by the end of August. I've already mapped it out through the end of September already. Going a little longer than what we thought. But there's so much here in the book of Ephesians that I feel like the Lord wants to say to us. And so I want you to pick this up with me in verse 15. Um, We're going to see this prayer that Paul prays. And the whole idea for me today is if we want to live effective lives as believers, if we want to be effective and, and make an impact, we have to know how to pray. I think we've lost the art of prayer in the church. And services like today are great, but if all they are is an emotional encounter where we leave and nothing changes, what's the benefit? We've got to know how to pray. We've got to know who we are. And I feel like today the worship was just kind of just to set the mood. And I really struggled like looking at the clock thinking, God, I'm almost out of time. I think you guys can hang out just a little bit to hear what the Lord has to say. Let's pick it up, verse 15. I'm going to read this from the message And then I'll pick up verses throughout the message in the NIV. Let's read verse 15 through 19. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus, this is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus and the surrounding areas, and your outpouring outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and I'd give thanks. But more than thank, I ask I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning. And I believe that's what God wants to do in the church today. We have been dumb, and I don't, and please hear me, I'm not attacking, but we have been illiterate spiritually long enough. We have been unaware of who we are in Christ long enough. And Paul's coming to the church of Ephesus, but I think it's a cry coming out to the church of today. More than that, I want to make, he says, I want to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of the work of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, boundless strength. Paul ends this first chapter of Ephesians by praying a prayer. And I want to I don't want to show you this prayer today and we pick it up in verse 15 and I want you to see it from the NIV. He says for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the people. Here's what I want you to hear. Paul is not saying to them in verse 15 when he's speaking to the church of Ephesus, he's not saying, I'm praying that you have more faith and I'm not praying that you have more love. He's saying, because of your faith, because of your love. He says, because of that, 
I want to th- I'm thanking God for you. What he's meaning is you've already entered into the Lord's work. You, what, you say, what are you talking about, Pastor Chad? Well, I think what Paul is saying here, you know, a lot of times we say, well, I know that I'm a Christian if I say that I love God. No, there's a lot of people that say they love God. But Paul is saying you are displaying, you are proving that you are followers of Jesus Christ because of your love for others. He's saying, I know that you've got it. And I'm thanking God for you because you've got it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, listen to this, cannot love God. Listen, I, Paul, when he's speaking to the Ephesians, to the church of Ephesus in verse 15, and he's saying, I thank God for you because of the love and faith you're displaying to others. He's not saying that love for God is not important. We're, we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving God is a paramount. But if we don't love others, what Paul is saying, in essence, our faith is useless. We've got to love others. But Paul, he continues on. Verse 15, 16, he says, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and I'd give thanks. But he says, but more than give thanks. And right here at the end of verse 16 and picking up in verse 17, Paul takes us into this prayer that he's praying over the church of Ephesus. And this is a prayer that I want us to remember. The entire Bible, when we look at the Bible, something I want you to know The entire Bible, I think people in the church don't even understand this. The entire Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is directed by God as the infallible Word of God. It is directly from God. And so when you read from the Bible, you're reading words that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Well, this prayer that Paul is praying, listen, if you ever want to look at a prayer and get an example of a prayer that you should be praying, look at this one. Because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is a prayer that's inspired by God. This is a source for us. So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. I've read it from the message a couple times. Let me kick it again. But more than thank, he says, I ask. But the NIV says it this way. I keep asking. I keep asking. What I want to do today is that I believe if we're going to have an eternal impact in our prayers, I want to give you three things I see from Paul's prayer here in Ephesians 1, 17 through verse 20. I want to give you three things that I see here. The first one is real simple. Um, Paul said it at the beginning of his prayer. If I'm going to pray effective prayers, if I'm going to pray prayers that have eternal impact, not only for my life but for the lives of others, I have to keep asking. I need to be persistent. One of our key verses for the year, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's not going to be on the screen, but it it kind of just shows us. It says, all the believers devoted themselves. What's it mean? They were constant in this. They committed their lives to this. What they commit their lives to? Uh, Fellowship, sharing meals, teaching, and to prayer. God shows up when the church prays. So the first thing I want to see today is if we're going to be an effective church moving forward at Destiny Church, as we look at what Paul is saying to the church of Ephesus, number one, we need to keep asking. I want you to write that down. Keep asking. Keep praying. Now, I'll be honest with you. For several years of my life, I struggled with this one. 
I thought if I kept asking, it was a sign that I didn't have faith. Another one I always thought I struggled with this is I, was, I would think, well, if the Bible teaches us that God knows everything before we even ask it, then why do I even have to keep praying it? I shouldn't even have to voice it if he already knows it. And I would struggle with that. Well, God, you know, you've already got it figured out. Why do I need to keep praying? Why can't I just say it one time and just move on in faith? Well, I believe the answer is real clear and real to the point. You ready for the answer of why we need to keep asking, why we need to keep praying? It's something you probably hated as a kid. It's something I know my kids hate to hear, but it's the answer of because I said so. You like that answer? Why do we keep praying? Because God said so. Scripture tells us over and over again, keep praying, keep seeking, keep calling out to God, our heavenly Father. Jesus talked about this on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it's going to be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. These aren't suggestions. These are three keys to impactful prayers. If you want your prayers to have impact, if you want your prayers to be answered, ask Seek, knock, keep doing it, stay persistent, keep asking, be diligent in your prayers. Mark eleven twenty two and 24 says, have faith in God. Listen to me, if you want to have prayers that are answered, you got to have faith in God. But then it says, and whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. Everybody say that word, say believe. Believe, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Mark 9, 29, speaking of a son who the disciples couldn't heal. Actually, it wasn't even just a healing. The boy had demons in him. And the disciples couldn't get rid of the demons. And they're, they're asking and they're doing all the things they thought they knew. But they never saw victory. Jesus comes on the scene. The demon leaves. A little later, they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, why, why wouldn't the demon leave for us? And here's what he says from the passage translation. He says this, cases like this require prayer. prayer. Luke 18 verse 1 says one day Jesus told his disciples a story to illustrate their need for constant prayer and to show them that they must keep praying until the answer comes. So Jesus then he goes on to tell a parable and he tells a parable about this this lady who would continually go to this judge and knock on his door over and over and over again and asking him, will you cancel my debt? Will you do this? Will you do this? And, and Jesus goes on and says, if this unrighteous judge, if this unrighteous man will answer the door for this lady because she was persistent, how much more do you think that your heavenly father will answer your prayers if you stay persistent? Why? Because he loves you. So I'm encouraging you during this time and during this season, don't give up hope. Keep praying. Keep seeking God. Keep asking. Well, it's taken six months. Well, pray another six months. Keep praying. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. How long she have it? Twelve years. Aren't, don't you think she's probably thankful for that last time she went to God? Just think maybe this is the day. Maybe today when you came forward in the altars, maybe today was the day that something broke through in your life. Keep asking. Keep praying. Keep seeking after God. Why do I show these scriptures and why do I talk about Ephesians 17? Because I believe what Paul is trying to say to us and what the gospels are saying to us is sometimes, let me actually let me 
get rid of that word sometimes. I believe the majority of the time we lay a hold of the promises of God only through prayer. Let me say it again. I believe the majority of the time we take hold of the promises of God only through prayer. This week, somebody sent me something that I thought, man, this works great for the message. When you pray to God regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. When you pray to God regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. So today I say, don't just ask him once. Don't just ask him twice. Don't just ask him five times. Don't just ask him ten. Ask until you get the answer. Knock, ask, seek. God knows what you want. God knows what you need. But here's, what, here's, here's really what I believe is one of the reasons we keep praying. God's more interested in our consistent prayers, not so much for what we can get, because yes, we have a good father who gives us good gifts, but God's more interested in our prayers because of what happens in us when we pray. I'm a dad. I want my kids to have good things. But I also want them to understand sometimes you have to work for good things. Our 12-year-old right now, he wants a new RC car. He, he's, he's the kind of kid when we were Christmas shopping for him, we never could figure out what to buy him. He was always just so particular. And now he has expensive taste. And he, he came to me and he said, can we go to the hobby store and I'm like, why? Because I want a car. Well, dad's not buying you a new car. You have one. Well, I want a new one. How much is this new car? It's like $386. Well, $386, bud, doesn't grow on trees. You need to earn some money. Dad, I'm 12. I don't have a job. I only get money at Christmas and I only get money at birthdays. Well, you better save up for the next three Christmases and next three birthdays if you want this car. So no, I started thinking, you know what? I'll ask some friends and family. Hey, do you have any work for him to do? Why? Because I want him to understand sometimes I need to put something in the game to get something out of it. And I think that's what God is saying to the body of Christ is, no, I'm more interested in what's happening in you. I'm more interested in building your faith than just giving you a handout. God's more interested in what's happening to us internally than what we're getting externally. So keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking after God. Why? Because the more I pray and the more I communicate and the more I listen, the more I become like Him. And that's God's ultimate goal. So as I pray, I become more like Jesus. So today keep praying, keep seeking, keep asking. Second key that I see to prayer is also found in verse 17. He says, so at the beginning I keep asking. But then listen what he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, the second thing I want you to see today when you're praying is, number one, you have to keep asking, but number two, you need to clearly picture who it is you're praying to. Hello? You're not praying to some genie in a bottle. You're not praying to the tooth fairy. You're not praying to Santa Claus. You're praying to the creator of the world. You're coming to God. That's who you're coming to. When the disciples came to Jesus and they said, would you teach us how to pray? In Matthew chapter 6, what is the very first thing Jesus said to them? Okay, pray like this. Our Father. When you go to prayer, you need to acknowledge who it is you're praying to. 
He's not, he's not just the rag doll that you can pick up and use anytime you need him. He is our Father, Matthew 6, 9, who art in heaven, hallowed, most holy is his name. That's who we're praying to. We're praying to God. And I believe if we're going to be successful in our prayer life, we have to know who it is I'm praying to. But not only do I want to know who it is that I'm praying to, I believe if I'm going to be effective in my prayer life, I have to know that I'm praying to a God who loves me. Did you hear me? If I'm going to be effective in my prayer life, I have to know that I'm praying to a God who is holy, but I also must know that I'm praying to a God who loves me. He loves me. But the issue for many of us is we struggle in our prayer life because we have a distorted image of who God is. We either see him as a genie in the bottle who we just use anytime we want, or many of us, we have a distorted image of God and we believe he's distant. We believe that he doesn't care. Listen, if you go to God in prayer and you believe that he's distant and he's caring, you're not going to have much faith in your prayer and you're not going to be effective in your prayer. If you believe that God is angry at you all the time like I did when I was a kid, your prayers aren't going to be as effective because you think that God is just angry. When I was a kid, I used to think that God was just some nameless, faceless old guy sitting on a throne that wanted to bop me over the head for every single one of my sins. And I was thinking about that this week. I was like, why did I feel that way as a kid? It wasn't because of my earthly father. I had a great earthly dad. Well, religion distorted that in my mind. But a lot of us in this room, we struggle, maybe not a lot of us, but maybe some of us, we struggle with going to our heavenly father because we have a distorted image of our earthly father. And when you struggle seeing your earthly father as good or loving or caring, you throw that onto God. And I want to tell you today, quit thinking of your heavenly father as your earthly dad. They are not the same. Even if your earthly dad was a perfect father and he gave you everything, your heavenly father is the creator of the world and he wants to give you great things. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 verse 15 tells us, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba. Now we call him Father. Did you know that God loves you? Did you know that your heavenly Father cares for you? Did you know, here's another one, did you know that your heavenly Father knows your name? He knows you. I tell you, when I can figure out the Father thing, it'll change my prayer life. This word Father, this word Abba, is one of the most significant names of God. It's only mentioned three times in Scripture. But it's still one of the most significant names of God. It's Aramaic for the word Father. That word Abba means Father. It's a common term that signifies a close, intimate relationship of a father and his child, as well as a childlike trust, listen to this, that a young child puts in his daddy. That's what the word Abba means. And today, as we deal with this subject of prayer, I want you to know that you have a heavenly father who loves you and cares for you deeply. You are the apple of his eye. You make him happy. Here's something I think somebody needs to hear. Your father is pleased with you. I believe if we can figure out the father part, I believe our prayer life will change for the better.
Our prayers will be more effective. Our prayers will be more powerful. Why? Because when I know that I know that I know who my Father is, it changes everything. And here's what I just felt like the Lord just wanted me to tell you guys this today. So here's what I want to say. Your Heavenly Father wants to tell you that you're loved. Your Heavenly Father wants to tell you that you're chosen. He wants to tell you that you're more than a conqueror. He wanted me to tell you today that you're forgiven. He wanted me to tell you today that you're redeemed. He wanted me to tell you today that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He is your father and he is protecting you. I will do everything I can to protect my children. How much more will our heavenly father do to protect you? He loves you. He is there. He smiles when he sees you. So yeah, knowing who our heavenly father is and knowing what our heavenly father has done for us is of extreme importance when it comes to having an effective prayer life. So Paul's telling us, number one, keep praying. Number two, know who your heavenly father is. And then number three, the third thing I see, when we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 through 19, number three, I see that we need to know what we are praying for. As Paul is praying this prayer over the Ephesians, Paul is praying very specifically. I'm going to show you in just a minute three things, and then we're going to close. But I want to encourage you when you pray, don't beat around the bush. Pray specifically. A few years ago at Destiny Church, we did a series that we called Dangerous Prayers. I want to encourage you, pray specific, dangerous prayers. But I want you to hear me for just a minute. I, I, I want to deal with something I think we do in the church. I think oftentimes when we come to God, it's like a laundry list of things that we just kind of just blah, throw up on Him, and then we just move on. I'm not encouraging you to throw your laundry list of things at God. Yes, he cares. Yes, he wants to give you the desires of your heart. But I believe he wants us to be specific in what we're praying for. Again, the Lord's Prayer. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. He said, our Father out in heaven. But another thing he told the disciples is they need to understand how to pray God's will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm totally convinced that in order for our prayers to be effective, in order for our prayers to be powerful, we have to know what we're praying for. And along with that comes, if we, if we know what we're praying for, we're going to begin to pray God's will. People say, well, God gives me the desires of my heart. Yes, I believe that God gives us the desires of our heart. But as I seek God in prayer and I become more like Jesus, my desires change. And then I begin to pray effective prayers. And I stop just throwing out my laundry list of things. Oh, God, help this. And oh, God, I need that. And oh, God, I need this. But rather, we begin to see things in the spirit realm and we begin to pray different. And we're beginning to pray the will of God. If there's ever a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer that the church should be praying, it's this prayer right here in Ephesians. Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Listen to what Paul says. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order so that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and his incomparably great power for those who believe. So listen, Paul is praying that as Christ followers, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would begin to see. Listen, I want you to hear me. This is the big idea of this message. This is why I felt like I'm going to take a little extra time today and, and not just say we're done just because we worshiped really good. Or I feel like the Lord wants us to say that. What Paul is saying here in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 is that we have to understand what God has already done and provided. 
Paul is praying that our eyes and our understanding would be opened up so that we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt what has already been accomplished. It's already finished. Paul is not saying we're praying for what God is going to do. Paul's saying, I'm praying that you get an understanding of what God has already done. It's already accomplished. I don't have to beg. I don't have to plead. It's already done. It's already been provided. He already paid the way. When he stretched out his arms on that cross and when he said, it is finished, you were healed. You were delivered. You were set free. Why? Because he already did it. Hello? He already did it. Listen, I believe that God's going to continue to do things. I'm not saying don't pray for things in the future. Here's, what, here's my honest opinion. I believe God's getting ready to move at Destiny Church in ways he's never moved. I believe that. I believe we're going to see healings like we've never seen. But it's not going to be because we're praying some special prayer today. It's going to be because he already did it. He already accomplished it. Now, just by faith, we have to grab a hold of it. It's ours. And Paul's praying for believers then, and Paul's praying for us today that we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt what has already been done on our behalf, what blessings are already ours because of Jesus. Remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, in Christ we have been blessed with every blessing. I don't know about you, but that word every to me means every. It means a lot of things. It doesn't say in Christ you've been blessed with one blessing each. I mean, that'd still be good. It doesn't say in Christ you've been blessed and you got saved and that's all you get. No, he says every blessing. I don't know about you guys, but you know what? I, when I hear that word every blessing, you know what that means? That means a healthy marriage. That means healthy kids. That means healthy finances. That means a healthy spiritual life. That means whole emotionally. That means whole relationally. Every single blessing, it's already done. I believe if we can come to grips with this, it would change our prayer life. So three quick things and I close. Anthony can come on back. Three things I see in Ephesians 18 and 19, and there's so many more, but three things very specifically that I believe Paul is telling us in this prayer. Number one, we have hope. He's praying that they would understand that they have hope. Aren't you glad that you have hope? Before Jesus, we had no hope. Think about that. Before Jesus, we had no hope. But no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens with COVID, no matter what happens in politics, no matter what happens in riots, no matter what comes our way on this earth, guess what? You have hope because of Jesus. And most importantly, because of Jesus, everybody say that name with me. Say Jesus. Because of Jesus, if you've said yes to him, I not only have hope today, but I have eternal hope. I have an eternal hope. I have family members that have died and gone to see Jesus. Guess what? I have hope that one day I'm going to see my papa again. I have hope that one day I'm going to see my grandpa again. I have hope that one day I'm going to see friends again. Aren't you glad that we have hope because of Jesus? Second thing I see, and this one gets me excited, we have a glorious inheritance. What's that mean? As believers, I want you to hear me. This is, a, this is major right here. As believers, today, today, everybody say today. And in the future, we inherit every blessing. What do you mean by that, Pastor Chad? Well, today I get every blessing. And then when the trumpet sounds and I go to heaven, I inherit every blessing. 
but I can have heaven on earth today. I can have that. That's my inheritance today. That's my right today. Why? Because he adopted me into his family. And I can now call him Abba Father. And guess what? I'm going to make my 12-year-old work so he can pay for a car. But guess what? Everything I have is his. Why? Because I'm his dad. Everything is his. It's already been done. It's already been accomplished. But not only do I have an inheritance in the future, guess what? I'm Jesus' inheritance too. And then number three, and this is where we'll pick up the message next week. We have power. In Jesus, we have hope. We have an inheritance. And we have power. Let me just give you a sneak peek. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. From the Passion Translation, listen, it says, I pray that you will continually, listen to this, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to us through faith, through prayer. Then your lives, listen, when we get a hold of it, when we get a hold of faith in our prayer life, listen, then your lives will be an advertisement of his immense power as he works through you. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be an advertisement for God. Look at the power of God in that man's life. Look at the power of God in that student's life. Look at the power of God in that family. Listen, this is the mighty power, but here's the kicker right here, verse 20, that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the highest place of honor. Here's what I want you to hear. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and that's what Paul's praying over you today the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you there should never be a power shortage in the body of Christ the world might lose power but in God's house in your family when you've said yes to Jesus you should never lose power that Jesus is the same yesterday today and tomorrow the same power Jesus from the dead lives in you. So today, keep asking. Know who you're praying to and know what you're praying for. Let's pray. Let's stand. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.